Wow, praise the Lord. And uh, again, welcome to our services here on the weekend at Cornerstone Community Church. And indeed, it is Father's Day, so a big shout out to all the fathers who are tuning in, who are watching with us. A blessed Father's Day from all the pastors here and the staff to all the dads uh, in the church. Uh, have a great, enjoyable Father's Day weekend. Amen. You know, before we get into the message this uh, weekend, we really want to pray for all the fathers who are here with us. You know, if you're tuning in together as a family and your dads are there with you, I want to encourage you to surround your dads right now and stretch out your hands over them and pray for them. And, you know, we, we want to just take this time to speak a blessing over all our fathers. If you join with me, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for earthly fathers that you've given to us, O oh Lord. We thank you for our fathers, Lord, that you've blessed us with, O oh God. We thank you for the meals that prepared for us, Lord, for driving us around, O oh God. Lord, for uh, encouraging us, for being with us, for the discipline they bring into our lives, O oh God. Lord, for staying up late, for their prayers over our lives, O oh God. And Father, on this day, we ask that, Lord, that you would bless them back in return. We honour them, and we ask, Lord, your hand to rest, Lord, upon their lives, Lord. May you grant them all the desires of their heart. May you bless their paths, O oh God. God, and cause them to drip with your abundance, O oh God. And above all else, may your presence, Lord, be over them and watch over them, strengthen them, grant them good health, Lord. And we bless them now in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's really fantastic. This is Father's Day, and what an honor it is to bring you the Word of God on Father's Day. You know, I was going, I was li listening to the pre-service uh, conversation, uh, pre conversation, and I got to say, it's wonderful to have a father and daughter combination uh, watching. And, uh, you know, as usual, uh, our Deacon Boaz is incredibly, incredibly funny. And uh, I decided I'll, I'll add uh, one or two more to his uh, list. And what do you call a fish uh, that wears a bow tie? Uh, sophisticated, okay. <laughs> I, I know why. I only know, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand. I only know 25 letters in the alphabet because I don't know why. <laughs> Whatever, okay. I'm not that good at this, but I hope you guys uh, had some fun out of that. You know, as we celebrate Father's Day this weekend, I'd like for us to look at um, the subject of fatherhood, especially from the Word of God. Amen. This is such an amazing subject to consider. And uh, because the title uh, of the Father, I believe, is God's favorite title of all, and perhaps His most prized title of all. And this is the same title that Jesus used the most often uh, in His time on the earth in referring to God. And one of the things we may notice as we consider the Word of God is that this title of the Father appears much more in the New Testament than it does in the Old Testament, and we may wonder why is that so. You know, while there are clear references in the Old Testament to God as being the Father, it is, uh, its occurrence is not that frequent. And I believe that there is a reason, there is an explanation for that, and it is understood when we realize how prized this title is, that God literally reserves the expression and the, uh, the manifestation of this title to His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, He waited for the Son of God, for Jesus to come, and He waited for Jesus to be the one to reveal and give us a revelation and understanding of Him as our Heavenly Father. In other words, God really reserved this title to be revealed only by His own Son, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. And no one else is given that privilege and honor, and no one else can adequately do so except our Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, I want to begin by helping us uh, see two things, and I think that these are two things that's important for us to realize and understand concerning our Heavenly Father. 
The first is that, you know, it is Jesus who reveals the Father. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus himself said this, He who has seen me has seen the Father. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture because Philip comes and he asks the Lord, he says, show us the Father and it will be enough. And that's the desire in every person's heart. We want to see the Father. And yet Jesus answered in response to uh, Philip's question. He said to Philip this, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And he said, have you been with me so long and yet you don't realize this? In other words, Jesus is the one who fully expresses who the Father is. If there is a longing in our hearts for our Heavenly Father, I want to tell you this, the person to go to is Jesus Christ. And in seeing Jesus, we will see the Father. You see, when it comes to revealing the Father, Jesus is the one who gave us a full, complete expression of who the Father is. He conveyed not just the things that the Father would say, but how the Father would want something to be said. He did only what the Father wanted to do. He showed us the Father's heart, the Father's wisdom, His love, His compassion. Everything about Him shows us who the Father is. You see, when Jesus stopped for those in need, it was exactly what the Father would have done. When Jesus took the time and spent His time and hung out with the sinners, guess what? That is exactly where the Father would have uh, been as well. In seeing Jesus, we see our Heavenly Father. The implication for us is that the record of Jesus' life in the Gospel is a record also of who the Father is. That it is scripted for us to understand who our Heavenly Father is. Now here is an important contrast I wish to bring for us that we may realize as a difference between our relationship with our natural fathers as well as our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You see, in the natural, when we grow up, you know, we, we, you know, we get married, we, you know, we move out of our, our father's house, we seek out our own paths, you know, we begin to develop our own identity, we establish our own pursuits. And that is true with regards to our natural parents, to our natural fathers, right? Because we're not exactly the same as our natural father. However, when it comes to the Heavenly Father, the more we grow up, the more we mature, the more we become conformed and constrained to act exactly as the Heavenly Father does. You see, that's what Jesus does. When Jesus came to a place of full maturity and He was manifested before the world, He brought to us an image of the Heavenly Father. And that's what we're supposed to do. The more we mature in our lives, the more we are constrained to do exactly what the Father does and to speak exactly what the Father wants us to speak. And that is the contrast. Now, the second thing I want to convey to us concerning the Heavenly Father is that Jesus is the one who gives access to the Father. This second part is important for us to consider. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, we are told this, that no one can know the Father except those to whom the Son wills to reveal the Father to. That's an incredible statement. You cannot know the Father unless Jesus comes and reveals Him to you. In John 14, verse 6 as well, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other means. There is no other way. This is made so clear for us in Scriptures. You know, over the last couple of weeks, one of the things that I've been deep, deeply stirred and impressed upon in my heart is that God is raising up people and churches that have a father's mantle over them. I spoke a little about, about this two weeks ago in my message uh, entitled of Samuel, of Saul, and of David. 
And it is amazing that in that account that David spent a substantial time under the roof of Jesse as well as Saul, his natural father and of course the king of Israel. And yet both of them failed to recognize the calling and the grace that was on David's life. Even Samuel, he missed it for a moment until God had to correct him and speak to him and point Samuel towards David. You see, the thing about David is that in his youth, he gave no semblance on the, out, in, on the outward to indicate the calling that was uh, upon his life. And that is often what happens when it comes to the Davids that are around us. Because they don't give us a sense or you know, an estimation of what their potential may be. One of the essential things that we must do as fathers is to, be, is to have those eyes to see the potential that is in all our children. And it is important for us to pray for our children and to receive an insight from God about what His grace is on their lives. And all too often, you know, we are easily distracted and harassed by who they are presently. All of you know, or most of you know, that I have three boys in the house and I love these boys uh, uh, very much, yeah? But the reality and the daily aspect of life is that most of the time, my boys are not angels, okay? They're not, they're not demons either, but somewhere in between, okay? They, they mess up the house. They stay up late to play their computer games. In the middle of the night, you wake up at 1 a.m., you can hear them in three separate bedrooms shouting and cheering and talking to each other. You know, they, they, they wake up very late in the mornings. And their two favorite questions over the last couple of weeks are these two. What is for lunch and what is for dinner? And uh, they are driven by their tummies. Most of the time, they struggle with their schoolwork. You know, uh, or with, they struggle with doing their quiet, being consistent in their quiet time. At times, they raise their voices in disagreement uh, with us. And, you know, and, and, and because of these episodes that we are confronted with, and because they constitute a substantial proportion of what they do on a daily basis, and I'm speaking on behalf of all parents, it is easy for us to just focus on those moments of difficulty. Amen? It's easy for us to focus and think that that's all our kids are because so much of their time, our time with them, you know, is, uh, is, you know, is, is around, surrounded uh, with correction and, you know, and things like that. But I want to say that there are also moments where God gives us glimpses into their potential. He gives us prophetic utterances about their future. And there are these, there are, there are these moments where their resident grace, their gift, that superpower in them begins to rise up and it shines through. You know, uh, of course, Community Plus, you know, our online ministry started uh, three weeks ago. And because of Community Plus, most of the time, it you know, I mean, because it runs on a Wednesday night at 8.30, by the time we do a teardown at the end of Community Plus and uh, I reach home on Wednesday nights, uh, usually it would be close to midnight. You know, I noticed this over the last three weeks that without fail, my eldest son would uh, wait up for me to come home. And when I get back home, he'll come to me and he would just let me know how fantastic the services went. He would, he, would, he would encourage me. He would tell me all the things that he enjoyed about the service. He wasn't being superficial about it. But he would come and let me know exactly what he liked about the service. And he was always encouraging. Amen. These are the little glimpses, the moments that shines through. My number two, Samuel, you know, his superpower is his compassion for people. He is a feeler. He feels for those who are in pain. He makes an effort to reach out to people emotionally and to love them. And of course, my youngest has a real gift of the gap and he has great sense of humor as well. He's quick, his jibes, you know, uh, uh, his you know, sarcastic remarks, you know, are, are absolutely brilliant. And oftentimes it leaves us laughing. And he just has this ability to turn tense situation around and makes it funny. You see, children are a lot of trouble. They are. 
and they are meant to be a lot of trouble, okay? But the mantle of a father is to see past the trouble and to see and realize what is their superpower, to glimpse how God has uniquely created and gifted them and to nurture them towards those things. You see, Samuel anointed David in the infancy of his calling, decades before David fulfilled his call. In the same manner, one of our jobs as, our, as fathers is to continually anoint and to pour oil over our children. And what that means is to lay hand, to speak and to nurture them into God's calling. I want to encourage you fathers to do that whatever ages your children might be. Even if your kids are already fathers in themselves, that we, our job as fathers is to continually anoint and pour oil over our children. You know, this is what God is calling us to do not just as individual fathers, but as a church, as a people, for those whom He is bringing into our midst. I believe this. I believe God is going to bring many Davids into our midst. And, you know, and, he, and He requires for us, and it requires for us to keep our spiritual glasses on and to see them as what they can become and not who they are right now. It is to receive them and to make room for them. Our tagline here in, in Cornerstone, if you still recall, is this, that there is a place for you and it is, our, it, is our, you know, it is demanded upon us that we live up to that tagline for whom those that God is bringing to us, we must make room for the ones that God is bringing to us. Amen? And this is also where we need a father's mindset. I want to briefly talk a little bit about the parable of the prodigal son, okay? Because in the parable of the prodigal son, there are two mindsets that are being contrasted, that are being compared. One is the father's mindset, and the other is the brother's mindset. Now, let me point out a couple of things for us from this parable. The first is this. The older brother is the point of the parable and not the prodigal. You see, many times we take this parable and we preach about God's love for the prodigals, the, God's love for the lost, and how He's going after the lost. But you need to remember this, that the target audience in this parable were not the sinners, but the Pharisees. It was because of the Pharisees that Jesus came and He spoke a series of parables about the lost sheep, about the lost coin, and about the lost son. And the reason that, he, that sparked these parables was because He was around the Pharisees and the scribes, and they were complaining that Jesus was spending all His time with sinners and how He receives them and He eats with them. And so if this, is the, if this is the issue, we should change our perspective, our lenses a little bit as we look at this parable because the punchline of this parable is for the older brother and not so much for the prodigals. The second thing about this parable that we need to notice is that the older brother, uh, though he was a son, he had the mindset of a slave. In Luke chapter 15, verse 29, these are the uh, words of these, uh, this verse. And um, the, the older brother said these words. He says, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Now, in different ver versions, the word serving is translated as I have been slaving for you. I have been working for you. You know, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. You see, this is the older brother's summation of his relationship with his father. And it is a sad summation. All he saw was his laboring, his slaving away, his working for his father. You see, his obedience to his father was used as a lament rather than a joy. He, you know, there, there, there was almost a sense, you know, of a grudging, you know, a complaint when he talked about how he served his father. I pray that when we serve God, that this is not our attitude. Amen. 
the measure of, of appreciation was that, you know, um, was that, you know, he, he, his measurement of appreciation from the Father was this, do I get rewarded so that I can go enjoy myself with my friends? The, the older son did not find the father as his reward. The older son did not look at the father and serving and being with the father as a reward in itself. And this is the, the thinking of a slave or a servant rather than a son. It is an expression of, this is my input, so what am I going to get out of this that is commensurate to what I've put in? It's a transactional statement, and it's a sad state to be in, to be in Father's house and to have the attitude of a slave. I so pray that this is not, our, that this is not a description of our relationship with our fathers, you know, or with, especially with God and especially in our service towards the Lord. Amen? Because if that's our attitude, then something must change in our attitude or else we are exactly the same as the older brother. Finally, the third thing that we note from this parable is that the return of the prodigal reveals the true state of the older brother. When the, it is when the prodigal returns, it is when new people come in, it is when God begins to restore and to raise up people around us. These are the things that will reveal the heart of the older brother that is in us, if there is any at all. The importance of this parable lies in the punchline I mentioned earlier. This parable is about the older brother and not the prodigal. In other words, this is a message not for the ones who are lost, but for us, the church. This parable is not meant for the lost, it's meant for us. It is about us as a church, as it was about the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, our Father in heaven and we, you know, our Father is in heaven and we are the older brothers who label and represent Him here on the earth. And it is important that as older brothers in the house here on the earth, that we truly reflect the Father. That we have a Father's mindset and not an older brother's mindset. Amen. You know, I want to lay for us some simple things finally before I bring this to a close concerning who our Heavenly Father is. Amen. And I pray that this will have some application for us in our own personal lives and how we father our own children as well as for us corporately because God, I really believe this with all my heart that we are entering into a season where there is a strong Father's mantle over the whole church. Amen. The first thing about the Heavenly Father is that the Heavenly Father, He is perfect. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 to 36 says this, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil, therefore be merciful just as the Father also is merciful. You see, one of the qualities of the Father is His extension of kindness and goodness to all regardless of their response to Him. He's compassionate, He's merciful beyond our comprehension and God gives without expectation of return. And likewise, we cannot rise up to become fathers if we are always looking for people to reciprocate our efforts in reaching out to them. I believe we need to plough where the ground is fertile, but I believe also that there is a part of us, you know, there is a part for us to give without expectation in return. And the key is to understand what is the result that we are going for. I believe this, that if we are trying to raise up leaders and disciples and, you know, and people you know, um, you know, to succeed what we are doing, it's important that we do choose wisely from those whom God has sent to us and we sow wisely into the correct people that God is bringing to us. Jesus himself prayed the whole night before he chose his 12 disciples and he poured his life into these 12 as well as the 70 you know, and 120 and so on and so forth. Okay? Now, but, there, but then there are other things that we do, we, 
you know, um, that we do where we're not looking for res results in this present life, but we're looking for a reward from God that is to come in eternity. And therefore, when it comes to these things, you know, it's about sowing liberally and willingly without anything, expecting anything in return. These kind of things has to do with our character and our development of, and the development of virtues in us. And when it comes to these things, God really wants us to have a big heart. I want to commend this verse to you in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. This is really one of my favorite verses, and it's come to me very often. And in verse 1, it says this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it in many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Now, this relates to our giving. And I don't just mean financially, I mean in every area, whether it's areas of our service, of our time, of our effort, of, you know, putting it into people. The instruction here is to be as generous as possible, even when it doesn't make sense. Um, at the same time, we are to be generous because you cannot anticipate or control what the future brings. You can only focus on the present in sowing what God has given to you. Now, you know, when, when you cast your bread on water, which is verse 1, the truth is this, if you ever take bread and throw it into water, into a pond, you know, into a, a, you know, a lagoon or whatever it might be, that bread is gone. The fishes will come, they'll eat it, the birds will peck on it, it will disintegrate in the water. But the certainty that God is giving to us in these verses is that we will find it after many days. Many days. You see, good works, when, you are, when it is sown in faith, in willingness, in generosity, these things will all come back. God is guaranteeing that they will come back to us. The only thing is this, they'll come back only after many days later. Now, on the other hand, we sometimes hold back because we're anticipating the future. We're thinking, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, we look at the, you know, the, the you know, um, here in verse 2, you know, it says this simply, give seven servings, no give eight. You know, and the reason is because we don't know what really what the future lies for us. Amen. I know that God speaks to us sometimes about what is coming ahead of us, but in general, we don't know what is uh, uh, coming. And if you're holding back from doing good because you're waiting for a better time to do so, then the answer is, don't wait. If you're waiting for circumstances to get a little bit better before you take a step of faith, the answer is, don't wait. You cannot anticipate the evil that is going to come upon the earth. And while we have the opportunity to be kind, to be generous, we should seize the opportunity to do so. The second thing about the Heavenly Father is that He is pure. And I mean, but what I mean by this is there's purity of motives, there's intentions, uh, and purity in those areas more than anything. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is interesting because it gives us three examples concerning sincerity and purity. And it talks about how, you know, we need to be uh, non-hypocritical when it comes to our charitable deeds, when it comes to prayer, as well as in the area of fasting. Now, in each of these instances, when Jesus gave a command to do these things, He said this, do these things in secret, not in public. And the reason you do that is because the Father who is in the secret place will see it and then He'll reward us openly. It's very interesting. The Father is in the secret place. The Father sees what, the, what is done in the secret place. Think about this. God has painted a thousand sunset and all, sunsets and authored millions of landscapes, and yet He's never ever placed His name beside any of them. He's never signed off on any of them. In the same manner, we don't have to claim credit for what we have done. In Cornerstone, we have uh, thousands of people that serve, and we honour those people who serve who have given themselves to the Lord. You know, and that is something that we want to do to celebrate our people. But I want to say this from a personal point of view. We need to learn to be a people that serve without needing 
public affirmation or credit. Amen? You see, we have to thoroughly realize that God is the true rewarder of all our service and all our labors. We look, you know, we must, if we look to men for our reward somewhere along the way, we will feel cheated. We'll feel like man has let us down because men will let us down. Only when we focus on the supernatural rewarder can we then, you know, have the motivation for supernatural exploits. And one of the things that God has really blessed us here in Cornerstone and, and that we are deeply thankful for is God has given Cornerstone people that would work but who would shun the credit and the limelight. God has given us such fantastic people and all of you guys who just have a heart and a desire to simply serve Him without a sense of recognition or asking for something uh, of reward for yourself. And I just pray that we will continue to keep this uh, as, the, uh, as the ethos here in Cornerstone, that we would focus on God as our true rewarded. You know, again, I feel, you know, as I'm preparing this uh, segment of the message, you know, that the Holy Spirit kind of pointed out these three areas that is covered in Matthew 6, in our, in, our, in our charitable deeds, in prayer, and in fasting. And I really believe that God is saying something to us about these three areas in this season that we are in, that God is calling us to be generous in our giving, in our works. God is calling us to prayer. God is calling us to fasting. But He's calling us not to something that is public, that is seen, but God is calling us individually to a place, to the secret place. And it is a season in which the Father is in the secret place in these areas. And I want to encourage us in this time, you know, to be generous in our charitable deeds, to pray as well as to fast. Finally, as I bring this to a close, the Heavenly Father goes beyond provision. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? There's something we need to understand about our Heavenly Father, and it is that our Father is not just a provider of our needs, but He's a giver of good gifts. Amen. You know, one of the things that always fascinates me is that when Jesus multiplied the bread to feed 5,000, Jesus had 12 baskets of leftovers. Another time, He fed 4,000 and He had 8 baskets of leftover. I would think to myself, Jesus, if you multiplied the bread, you could have multiplied exactly that, that right amount so that everybody is full and everybody is fed and there is no leftovers. I would think, wouldn't it be wasteful, you know, at the end of a meal to see so much food left over? But you know, God does these things for an intention, for a purpose. He wants us to know that He's not just the provider of our needs, but He is a God of abundance. As natural fathers, we don't just think about providing the basic needs of our, you know, for our children, but we think about all the good things that we may bless them with so that their lives may be richly blessed. I believe in this new season where God is bringing us into the mantle of a father, we need a breakthrough beyond the point of thinking that God is the one who just provides enough. We need to come to a place to know that God is more than enough. With God, there is always an abundance, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask of. This is the mindset of a father. This is the abundance of a father. The father is the source of everything that we will need and, you know, and he blesses us beyond that. There's an overflow of His blessings. You know, the Father's mental, I want to conclude by saying this, is not just for the men or the fathers that is in this house. I know there are many who are ladies who are watching this, mothers as well. You know, this fathering mental, this mental of a father is, is something that God wants to put over the whole congregation upon all His people. That we would see, you know, our, our, you know, the potential that is in the people that God is bringing. That we'll be rich towards them. We will not talk to them only about their needs, but we'll know that God wants to abundantly bless them. Amen. 
You know, these are things that God wants to bring us to. That God wants to make room. One of the names that God has given to this church over and over again is the name Rehoboth. And it is, uh, it is spaciousness, space, room. You know, and, and God is bringing Davids, God is bringing Deborahs, God is bringing men and women, you know, that He has got a future for and He wants us to make room for them because this is going to be a ground for them to grow up, mature, find opportunities and come into a placement for the calling that the Father in heaven has upon their lives. Amen. I want to encourage you on this Father's Day that we would reflect upon who our Heavenly Father is, His richness towards us, and that we would desire to say, Lord, make me a father as well. Give me a father's heart. Change my sight about these things. Let me be big-hearted. Let me be generous. Let me be full of, you know, your grace and, 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 you know, and the way that you look at all your children. Amen. I want to ask us to bow our heads wherever we are and let us pray. I believe on this special Father's Day, it's not just about what we can do for our fathers, but it is what the Father desires to do for us. I just sense this in my spirit that this morning, God wants to cause in heaven to be open over us in this church and He wants to give us a Father's Day gift. Not a Father's Day gift for the Father, but the Father wants to give a gift of the Father to every single one of us. And I believe it's the Father's heart that He wants to give to us. He wants to enlarge our hearts. He wants to open our hearts. He wants to give us an eye for those who are alone, who are isolated. Lord, those who are lonely and God wants to cause us to be people that will include everybody so that in Cornerstone, there is no orphans around. In Cornerstone, there is none that is lonely. In Cornerstone, there is none who finds themselves, you know, isolated. But God wants to give us a father's heart for this whole generation and for this church. Amen. Let's open our hearts to the Lord. Father, I thank you, O God, that this morning that you want to divinely open thy heavens and from your storehouses, you want to release a mantle of the Father over this church and over every one of us. We come to you, Lord, and we say, Lord, that is what we want. If that is your desire for us, then that is what we desire to receive as well, Lord. Enlarge our hearts, O God. Increase our capacity, Lord where once we could only love those who are just like us, Lord. Enlarge our hearts so that we can love those who are not like us, Lord. For once, O oh God, that we can only love those, O oh God, who adhere to us, O oh God. But Lord, open our hearts and Lord, that cause us to love those who are even against us, O oh God. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, so that we may be enlarged and that we may have a greater heart for a greater people, Lord. Father, I just thank you that you are, I just sense in my spirit that you're saying to this church today, that according to the size of your heart is the number of people that I can entrust to you. And I pray, oh God, that you would enlarge our hearts, oh God, enlarge our hearts, Lord. Lord, enlarge our hearts, Lord, that we would not be a church led by rules. We will not be a church led by systems. We will not be a church led by law, but we would be a church, Lord, led by the Father's heart, Lord, that fathering heart and mental that is over us, O oh God. And Father, I just pray again that you bless all of us, O oh God, and you cause your grace to be about us. For we are a family, we are brothers and we are sisters, O oh God, but raise up many amongst us to be fathers in the Lord, O oh God. And so, Lord, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you all the honour, and now I speak your blessings over the church, the congregation, over my brothers and my sisters, O oh Lord, the blessings of God the Father, the blessings of God the Son, and the blessings of God the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And everybody say, Amen. God bless you on this uh, special Father's Day and enjoy your weekend with your fathers. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, 
please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.